Today, Matthias Prinz, one of the elders of our church, is here to share his story. It is a story of God pursuing lost sheep, and like all of our stories, it's still in process. Thanks, Matthias. Good morning. I don't know about, about you, but it's been a, a little bit of a discombobulated morning for me already. I'm in the shower, and I think I should make some edits to what I wanted to share this morning. So after the shower, I run down, make some edits, print, jam the printer. <laughs> and, um, but uh, here I am, and um, hopefully um, I'll be able to share with you what God has done and continues to do in, in my life. Um, the theme verse for the testimony that I want to share with you this morning is from Romans 4, uh, 7, 8. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. So my conscious experience, my Christian, my conscious Christian experience began once a Sunday in the summer of 1996 almost 22 years ago. The reason why we can pin it exactly to that time is because Koala was pregnant with Henry, who is now 21 and turning 22, in October. I was in my late 30s, and it was really the first time that I deliberately set foot into a church. Um, Of course, I'd been to church many times before. Um, I grew up in a Christian family, culturally Christian family, uh, going to church on, on, on Christmas and Easter, and growing up in Germany, there are lots of cathedrals and so forth, so you would visit those as you visit museums, and you would go to the church steeple and enjoy the view. But there never really was a true spiritual reason to, to go to church. But that one Sunday, 22 years ago, it was very different. Things in my life were not going well, uh, not well at all. From the outside, as Peter had mentioned, maybe I was a Facebook family, if you, you know, we... Uh, had his normal life, and everything seemed to be in really good order. Um, my wife and I, Corolla, had been married for 11 years. At the time, we had two strapping boys, and Henry, the third one, on the way. I lived in the United States for someone growing up, as, who grew up in Germany, living in America. It was always a dream come true. Um, I was a founding partner in a small uh, but flourishing healthcare market research firm. I lived in a nice home. I lived in a beautiful neighborhood, vacation in Europe. And um, um, I enjoyed you know, lots of privileges and benefits. But, um, you know, and as you browse through my family albums with pictures from that time, you will probably see a very happy family. But inwardly, it was a different story. I was very deeply insecure. I was... Um, feeling often woefully inadequate. Um, I had no direction, and I was inclined to really control the people around me, compensating for the lack of control that I felt internally, and you can imagine who suffered under that primarily. And, um, you know, I was going through cycles of depression, feelings of worthlessness. I saw little purpose in life, and I was really wondering if this was all that there is. Our marriage had been holding together just by a thread. Uh, In hindsight, I know that on all ends, I was challenged way beyond 
what my selfish and self-focused ways could handle, given extensive business travel, a growing family with rambunctious boys, and a wife that I expected to be superwoman. So when entering that church um, in 1996, in that summer, it was different because I was lost and in a downward spiral and in search of meaning, in search of hope, in search of help. And none of the many things that I enjoyed and that uh, I ascribed the promise of happiness and comfort and respect and significance to kept any of their promises. But mysteriously, how come that I was taking a chance at church? First of all, looking back, I'm not even certain that I wanted to be in church. I remember when we initially visited that church, we were all sitting way in the back in the balcony section uh, that was directly connected to the exit door. <laughs> Secondly, you know, I had no awareness of my needs uh, and that, that my needs were spiritual in nature. In fact, I was clueless as to the nature and extent of my lostness. I certainly had no concept of biblical truth the way that the Apostle Peter writes about it in Ephesians, that I was without hope because I was dead in my trespasses and sins, that I was following the course of this world and carrying out the desires of the, of the body and mind, and that by nature I was a child of wrath. Was a, a, was not something that I even had the slightest idea about. Furthermore, we had little, if any, connection to the church in general. I grew up, as I mentioned, in a culturally Christian family, as a child, I did not go to church other than major holidays. And as a young adult, I had dismissed the notion that church had any personal relevance to me. For example, we didn't get married in a church. Uh, on, you know, my preference was not to have a church wedding. Neither did we have any apparent relationships to that particular church that we went to and walked into that, that, that Sunday in 1996. Other than that, five or six years earlier... Um, a neighbor, after we had moved here from Germany, an elderly neighbor couple had invited us to that church a few times, and I always respectfully declined. Then I think maybe it could be that God was answering one of my mother's prayers that led me to church. My mom, with whom I had not lived since the age of 13, and who had, after my parents' divorce, became a, became a devout Catholic, had given me a Bible when I was a university student. And the only verse I ever read in that Bible is the one that she wrote on the inside cover, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. And that's from Psalm 25.4. And today, every now and then, I open it just to read it in a handwriting. Uh, regardless, even though I was baptized as a child, and I now do believe, as Peter just so wonderfully exclaimed, in the covenantal promises... It is still a bit of a mystery to me that God would have orchestrated the circumstances in my life in such a way that he would <clears throat> cause me to seek out a Christian church one Sunday morning in the summer of 1996. At that time, I wasn't even convinced that God existed. Once God had brought me to his flock and us to his flock, he continued to work in the life through people and circumstances in ways that I could I've never imagined or even desired that I was a sinner separated from God and in need of salvation, I was far from being ready to accept or even to hear. In fact, if someone at church had told me that message and had uh, you know, confronted me with that, I would have probably turned away. Instead, uh, in his patience and kindness, God worked through people at the church that were very warm and welcoming and uh, uh, were undeterred by my ignorance, by the curiosity I showed, by the inquisitiveness 
And some, at some point then, we, we joined a small group Bible study. And most people in the group were much older than we were, and uh, many of them could have been our parents. Uh, they didn't teach or instruct us, but they were simply with us and accepted us and lovingly engaged us. By the way, ever since this initial small group experience, I've been tremendously blessed to many different small fellowship and Bible groups. Small group meetings are among the most helpful and encouraging ways in which God has worked in my life since then and continues to work on them. And in it, I find people come together that otherwise would probably never meet. And even today, the GSC growth groups, whether it's the group that we, Carol and I, go to, or whether it's the Saturday morning um, Bible group, uh, men's Bible group, are among the highlights uh, of my life, of my Christian walk. And I would encourage anyone who's not in the group to consider joining one. But back to my first church and my small group experience. Before long, I became fascinated with the Bible and started to study it more thoroughly. The person and story of Jesus Christ captivated me. And I even considered and took steps towards going into the ministry. Even so, uh, breaking down my unbelief and putting my trust and hope in Jesus Christ was an altogether altogether different story and a very slow step-by-step process. Creation, fall, redemption, God's sovereignty, and my personal sin and personal responsibility, the Trinity, that Jesus was a historical person and truly lived, the atoning sacrifice, the resurrection. Those are all truths that took a long time for me to really begin to understand and eventually accept and affirm by faith. While I experienced times of sorrow and brokenness over my sin and how I hurt those around me, when exactly God had sufficiently cut into my pride and unbelief and softened my heart for me to surrender and confess that I'm a sinner and hopelessly lost apart from Jesus, that my deepest need is really to turn to him and to receive forgiveness by trusting in the person and works of the Lord Jesus as my loving Redeemer, I do not know. What I do know is this. God brought an entirely unchurched person and family into his fold, and he worked through the body of Christ in my mind, heart, and life that this is my confession today. That is an amazing miracle to me of God's sovereignty and his immeasurable grace. And if you had shared with me or told me 25 years ago that I would be standing here today, I would have not even really known what you were talking about. Now, if I had to choose a life verse, it might be Philippians 1.6. Paul writes, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in me, in you, will bring it to completion on the day of Christ. Now, this verse gives me hope, particularly in the midst of my seemingly never-ending struggle with unbelief, because it connects It connects with what God has started with where he is and where he it connects what God has started with where he is leading it tells me that God is directing my life towards a happy end he alone knows the beginning from the end and works for good everything in between and i'm incredibly thankful for how he has been doing this so far in my family and in my life i can't even begin to list all the people and ministries and the various ways in which God has worked and continues to work his goodness in our lives how he has worked in each of my children's lives, through pastors and youth ministries, through mission organizations, mercy ministries, and Christian school and Christian teachers, are just all several, several very close related intertwined grace stories of their own. But the greatest... <clears throat> the greatest earthly blessing God has worked in my life is the, ongo- is the ongoing healing of my marriage and making me fall in love with my wife, Carola, 
all over again. And along with that, saving the unity of our family. Here, maybe more than any other ministry, God has used an organization called Family Life that we can do remember getaway to orient our hearts towards Christ and towards one another. If any of you feel that your marriage is less than what it should be, I urge you to consider that weekend to remember. And Guru and I would sponsor you if, uh, if you are so, you know, if you're inclined. Um, now, of course, the weekend to remember is not a one quick fix, but it has really helped greatly with putting us on the path of healing and renewal and love and intimacy that maybe otherwise would have never been found. And through the saving of our marriage, God has poured grace upon grace upon us and brought into our family another miraculous special gift. And that's our daughter Phoebe, who really is a truly a gift of faith and uh, uh, for which we are both so thankful. Finally, I want to say that part of my grace story is that God has given me a love for the Bible. I try to find as much time as possible to read it, even though... I'm often frustrated because I don't understand what I read or I I don't feel I am alive to the Holy Spirit. And I'm leaving my morning devotions and my prayer time often untouched by the Holy Spirit. However, through his word and many wonderful devotional and other resources over time, God has given me new meaning to virtually everything. He has changed profoundly how we spend time, our resources, how we think about virtually everything, whether it's career, school, or education. But most importantly, through his word, God again and again mercifully and faithfully declares and affirms that in Jesus Christ I am forgiven, that my sins are covered by his blood, and that I am reconciled to God. This is the best of all news, and I pray that it may never become old news, but that we'll always grow in the appreciation of it and in the gratitude for it. So, What about the help that I was seeking in the summer of 1996? In one sense, I never received it. What I did receive was so much more than I could have ever thought of or asked for. A new birth, a new life, a new family. Therefore, I want to close with Ephesians 3.20 and 21, where it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, what joy... It is for me to pray alongside and with and for uh, a man who has become a dear friend and a brother in the battle and a partner in gospel ministry. Thank you, Lord, for the strength of your spirit given to him to lead him to this time and place, to give testimony to your goodness and power in his life in making him new. Father, we anticipate how you will use him and the Prince family in even more powerful ways in the months and years to come. Let this story connect so powerfully with many others, Lord. 
let seeds that are planted be fertilized and take root and grow to produce a hundredfold crop that Jesus would be magnified. We pray in his name. Amen. Cedar whispered that I might not have to preach after Matthias, and uh, she's right, you know, uh, Matthias is an elder of our church, he could easily have presented the word this morning and given me a Sunday off, we just didn't have that wisdom to figure that out ahead of time, brother, Uh, but I'm going to keep my um, devotional complimentary thoughts brief this morning, uh, because Matthias is uh, so able to point us to Christ through the Scriptures. One of the things that struck me when I first read Matthias' notes was how he ended in pointing back to the beginning of his story. He said, what about the help I was seeking in the summer of 1996? In one sense, I never received it. He didn't mean that God doesn't answer prayer. He didn't mean that God is stingy, that God withholds good things from his children and leaves us in the dust to fend for ourselves. What Matthias meant emphasized by his ending with those verses from Ephesians chapter 3, was that God gave him something far richer, something far greater when he himself had merely been looking for relief from circumstances. Maybe he was looking for uh, superhuman strength to handle the lo- uh, load of work and home. You know, that's what we're really wanting and thinking when we say, if only there were 26 hours in the day. And what we're really saying in that thought is, I'm fine, I can handle it all by myself, I just need a little break. I just need a little bit more space to do my thing, to show my greatness. I need more resources on my tools on my belt, because I'm just fine all by myself. Maybe the relief he had been looking for was just another pat on the back to resolve his insecurities, more regular and bigger successes to prop up a sense of his own glory. Don't we all do that in looking for the approval of other people? Maybe he showed up in church subconsciously looking for just a quick fix to his marriage, which I suspect may have sounded like this caricature of a prayer, Lord, if you exist, prove it by fixing my wife. How often do we present those kinds of selfish thoughts before God if we utter anything heavenward? So what did a perfectly wise and generous Father in heaven give to Matthias instead of a quick fix? This is what Matthias said. God gave him a new birth, a new identity, a new family. Matthias didn't need something from God so that he could do his thing better. He didn't just need a little boost, a little loan, a helpful tip. He needed to be overhauled. And and more spiritually accurately, we would say, Matthias needed a resurrection. He needed to be raised from the dead. When you pray, if you pray at all, wouldn't you admit that the vast majority, if not all, of your time is spent asking for fixes to circumstances. Whatever's going on in your life, at home, at work, at school, in your relationships, you need a little bit of divine favor, you need a little bit of blessing, you need a little bit of money, you need a little bit of a break from life's pressures. That's all I need, God. won't bother you anymore. 
a quick fix to circumstances. The grace of God at work in Matthias enabled him to realize, no, I don't need just help to be me. I need a new me. That's what I mean by an overhaul. I needed, Matthias would say, Holy Spirit power to raise me to new life from death in sin to then renew me. And what I still need today is to grow in awareness of who God has made me to be. Listen to the Apostle Peter in his first letter, chapter 2. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. That, by the way, is what Matthias just did, declaring God's praises. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Just before this, Peter mentions those who don't believe, and then he says emphatically and in contrast, but you believers, this is who you are. Once you were not a people, you had no identity, no direction. Isn't that how Matthias described cycles of depression and feelings of worthlessness? I don't know who I am. But now, the Word of God tells him, the Spirit of God has worked in him, but now you are the people of God. That is a statement of identity that is foundational for, for this life and for eternity that cannot change if you place your faith in the Savior, Jesus, that status that is given to you as a promise of God. Once you had not received mercy... It made perfect sense that the pre-summer of 96 version of Matthias Prinz was overwhelmed with inner turmoil despite outward signs and benefits of the American dream. Apart from the saving work of Christ on the cross, every human being lacks mercy. In fact, unbelief is really a rejection of the mercy of God. That's one way we could think of it. I don't need anything from you, God. I don't want your pity. I don't want your compassion. I don't need your saving. I'm fine all by myself. Unbelief is really a rejection of mercy. It's a rejection that one needs mercy at all. And then to live under the judgment of one's own sins, that is a most restless, anxious, aimless existence because we have all been created with an inherent sense of the divine and of eternity. And there is no other path to true rest and joy apart from a restored, renewed relationship with our Creator, which is only possible through faith in His Son, Jesus. Once you had not received mercy, but now, but God, we say those are gospel words, but God has now extended mercy to Matthias and He lives in the freedom of forgiveness. Matthias said something like, if he had told me 25 years ago that I would be standing here making this confession, I wouldn't have had the slightest idea what you were talking about. And it struck me when I read those notes that that's, that's a great picture of, a, of a, a life, of a journey of faith. Because it's not our job to look ahead, to figure out all the steps, to understand God's perfect plan and how it's all going to work together for good. It is our job to trust and obey and to put one foot forward 
in dependent discipleship. Russell Moore, one of my favorite authors and pastors, he writes this in his book, Onward. We must grow into who we are. Even as childless elderly Abram couldn't see how he could be Abraham, father of many nations. An unstable deserting Simon could hardly be described as Peter or the rock. God names his people and then makes the name true. God calls you my people. He calls you forgiven. He declares you to be set free, and then he forges that identity in us, which is still at work in Matthias. Last thought, Matthias said that when they walked into that church in 1996, he couldn't quite explain what brought them there. He said there were no apparent connections to this particular church other than that five or six years ago, this elderly neighbor couple had invited them to church a handful of times, and he politely declined. And Matthias also perhaps speculated through eyes of faith that the prayers of a mother had been instrumental. You know, God saves lost people through all kinds of means, through all kinds of ways, but, if the, but, but the main ingredients to the recipe almost always involve simple faithfulness on the part of imperfect people. And the ingredients always involve prayer. If Matthias might speculate, we would say that makes perfect sense. We'll be focusing on this idea over the next six to eight weeks as we get ready to move into our permanent home in Glenrock. It's, it's crazy to say six to eight weeks, but that's how close it is at this point. But that picture is your role in reaching the lost in missions and evangelism, not in some far-flung corner of the globe, but on your block, in your circles of friends, in your virtual Facebook community, not with highly technical biblical knowledge as some trained apologist of the faith that can make arguments, but simply through prayer and invitation, simply through welcome and embrace as those Bible studies and growth groups Matthias attributes with drawing him and Corolla and their young boys into this community. And then God does the rest even rescuing a floundering marriage, even fashioning a church elder from the ash heap of godless living. My last thought, I wonder if there are a handful of you this morning who in years to come will say, not the summer of 96, but the winter of 2018. I wonder if that's, this time and place is such a pregnant moment for you that in years to come, you'll stand on the stage of some church and say, you know, I have no idea why I was in Teaneck in January of 18. No idea. Maybe it was that neighbor in Englewood who said, hey, come over to church. And I, over the years, just said no. But that morning, I found myself there. I wonder if this is your pregnant moment. And one sign that God is at work in you 
will be, again, no surprise that you grow in fascination with the person and work of Jesus Christ. If you leave here wanting to read Scripture and knowing this Jesus, God is at work in you. And what privilege it would be for our community to be like that community, so instrumental in the resurrection of Matthias Prinz and the resurrection of the Prinz family and all of the impact that God has been and will continue to, uh, to have through this family. Is this your summer of 96? Matthias would be delighted to take you out to lunch. I haven't asked him that. I know it. <laughs> I'll pay. <laughs> I would be delighted to spend the next hour after the service talking to you as you wonder, is God drawing me to Himself? Is God showing me who Jesus is? Is God beginning to reveal all that I need to understand about sin and salvation, mercy and grace, freedom and forgiveness? That is our prayer, that the Spirit would be at work in you through this testimony. Because Matthias has been brought from darkness into light, that he may declare the praises of the King. Let's pray. Lord, What wonder in how you work through fallible people like ourselves. Use this moment, Lord. Holy Spirit, bring to new life those who don't know you savingly this morning. Lead on in protection from spiritual darkness those who begin to express a curiosity of who you are, especially, Lord Jesus, who you are and what you have done on the cross. Bring salvation to this place in the winter of 2018. We pray for the glory of Jesus, for the flourishing of his church. Amen.